So hello everyone this is me Hemant and welcome back to Around the World a podcast series by All About United in Football and I'm back after a very very long time it's been a very long break due to my scheduling issues and the podcast just took a break but the Around the World series on All About United and Football is back and on this episode we take a trip to Amsterdam where we talk about Tottenham Hotspur and the documentary series on Amazon Prime all about all or nothing Tottenham Hotspur with Oliver who happens to be a very big Tottenham Hotspur fan and we're going to talk about the highs and the lows of the documentary and why is it so much entertaining and yep let's get going with this podcast then so just just a little bit of context uh if you feel there's a little bit of audio disturbance in the recording apologies for that uh maybe there might be some microphone issues while the recording was taking place but hopefully you enjoy the podcast All right so I'm back like after a very long time doing around the world I express how happy I am and hopefully now uh, I won't get uh, any inconsistency because I hope like I find this consistent run and I can just keep doing on because the, the breaks are unavoidable so anyway uh, never mind so I've got all over so how are you doing mate Yeah I'm doing well hello I'm back yeah Yeah, hello Alemal, uh, if you remember the Dutch podcast that we did. Yeah, that's right. That's very good. Yeah, that was very good and Oliver obviously is from Amsterdam. Uh we did the something Dutch podcast uh very long back and that was very very good. I enjoyed really uh, uh it was uh, something that I did with you and Strompel and it was a good laugh and we did we did enjoy. So Uh, so how's things going? How's uh, lockdown two in Europe apparently and stuff? Yeah, it's a uh, well, yeah. I'm not uh, uh, doing very much. I'm inside a lot, and uh, but yeah, I'm uh, doing online university, so that's okay. That's all. Oh, uh, that's that's nice, sir. Yeah, but hope it, yeah, hope it doesn't get too stressful for you. No, <laughs> I'm sure it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good as well. Uh, just stuck with university work and all the busy schedule due to which the around the world thing got uh, yeah. so dragged out, and I just couldn't do it. Uh, I just couldn't make time for it. Uh, so yeah, I'm thankfully back now. So it's all going good. So anyway, let's just uh, go ahead with this. So Oliver, uh-huh. as you know, uh, is a Tottenham Hotspur fan, and this is. This is our all about. Uh, sorry, not all about. <laughs> That's my podcast name. Uh, this is all or nothing. Tottenham Hotspur's review because uh, all or nothing. Tottenham Hotspur was a TV uh, TV series or maybe let's say online series on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's produced by Amazon. It was. It's basically a documentary about the season of Tottenham Hotspur um, in the 2018-19. Oh, sorry, uh, the 2019-20 season. uh so it's it's a very very entertaining documentary and we're going to discuss about it because it's got a lot of things to talk about Tottenham Hotspur and i just can't wait because there's a lot to talk about and i'm just hoping that i don't forget anything while i do this uh because 
I just say, uh, if you remember, I sent you the script of this, and uh, it's just so long. So I hope we cover yeah, everything yeah. that, everything that's fun about it, and everything that's relevant regarding to this uh, documentary that's so entertaining. So yeah, uh, before we start off, um, could you just tell us how did you start supporting Tottenham, and uh, how has it been like a Tottenham fan and all of that? Yeah, well, it was always a kind of a bit random. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't follow football for uh, a very long time. When I and then when I was 16, I started. Uh, it started interesting me a bit more. I started following the Premier League, uh, but I didn't really have a club I was supporting. And uh, but I did know that uh, my parents lived in lived around uh, the area of Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and uh, my granddad supports them as well. So. Uh, oh, so near the White Hart Lane, you mean? Yeah, near, they lived there near there. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, uh, and that's where they met as well, and my granddad supports them as well. So it's, uh, yeah, I uh, slowly just started following them, and then and that was during the season Leicester won the title, Tottenham came close, but yeah, um, after following them for one or two seasons, I really started falling in love with the club, and uh, then yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's quite a good story. I mean, uh, it's it's great that your granddad actually supported Tottenham because uh, like now if you say like someone's uh, fallen in love in Tottenham, it might be due to what uh, Pochettino did at the club or uh, something like that. But uh, it's great that uh, it's it's been coming from your granddad's generation. And obviously, uh, uh, as you said, like living near White Hart Lane, a historic stadium is pretty special life, I believe. So I think yeah, it's it's quite good that how you you know got those roots about uh, yeah. supporting. So yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Sorry, sorry. What were you saying? What were you saying? Yeah, I was saying it, it uh, definitely did help my uh, supporting Tottenham that uh, it fell in the era of Pochettino where we played such good football. So uh, yeah, yeah, I. Uh, and I really do love Pochettino. I think he was a he's a fantastic manager, and I'm also sad to see him go. Um, <laughs> yeah, which, uh, yeah. which I think will come on later. Yeah, yeah, we'll come on to that. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. So, um, talking about this, I mean, like, look, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, sporting documentaries. I mean, you obviously got the Sunderland Till I Die series that's there on Netflix. Then you've got All or Nothing Manchester City, which which came way before uh, the Tottenham one. Then you have obviously the Borussia Dortmund uh, documentary that's again on Amazon. Then you have, uh, I think there's a documentary on Barcelona as well on Netflix. And uh, then the most uh, famous one that I love, the love a lot, Take a Zoom, Leeds United. It's again on Amazon. Document uh, Amazon. So there, there are a lot of footballing documentaries out there uh, for now as fans for us to watch. But uh, I would say this one, All or Nothing Tottenham Hotspur, is definitely the most entertaining one I've watched in terms of entertainment because like uh, documentaries or TV shows are just meant for entertainment. And I think in terms of that, I think it absolutely delivered. And um, I think it's it's pretty different as well, uh, you know, because uh, if you talk about Sunderland documentary or the Leeds Leeds one, uh, I I watched both of them. I loved both of them. But uh, as a fan in India, I don't really get to watch uh, Sunderland matches or Leeds United matches when they were in the championship. And for me, 
it was a suspense that what all happened in the season. I mean, yeah, I do know the the main or major incidents, uh, such as the Spygate incident and the Leeds uh, uh, the Leeds documentary, or uh, something like that. Uh, I I I have known all that, but uh, I don't know uh, the the backstory of a lot of things that happened in the documentary. Whereas in the Spurs documentary, uh, I I knew what all happened in the season, how Pochettino took your guys to the final of the Champions League, and then the next season, uh, it was just a, it was just a very you know uh, what do you call it? Uh, you you have you guys had a lot of expectations, and uh, other even uh, outsiders or neutrals. Uh, rated you quite high with the season that you had before under Pochettino and you bought the likes of uh, Lo Celso and Dombele and your squad was looking very dangerous and uh, people expected you a lot, uh, expected a lot from you then so Spurs, uh, you know, uh, fell yeah. apart and Pochettino, Pochettino got sacked and Mourinho came in which is again surprising. I, I remember because, uh, I, you know, I will before, way before around the world I uh, began I, I was just doing random Manchester United podcast and I was doing random football podcast. Uh, so I remember uh, when Pochettino got sacked, I, I did not at all plan uh, for doing that podcast. I, I just got the news and I immediately rang my friend up uh, uh, who, who did the podcast with me and I said, look, Pochettino got sacked. You you know, uh, we both are shocked and let's just talk about it because it's, it's, it's a, it's, quite a big shock for us and we immediately recorded a podcast in like some time uh, i was in my college but uh, luckily i did not have uh, classes and all of that but i, I just recorded it then and there so uh, yeah. so i recorded that and then uh, after that the next week uh, i decided to do a different podcast but then una emery got sacked so two north london clubs uh sacked the managers in a span of a week and had to do two sudden podcasts and i'm like okay so this the, both of those things were kind of shocking and all so it was quite yeah. shocking to see Mourinho at the club at that time uh, and then yeah Mourinho, uh, he he has his usual uh roller coaster rides in the first season uh like he has been having in the late 2010s maybe after that and uh, the second season's obviously Mourinho's best season at any club uh, it's been everywhere the same and it's looking the same here at Tottenham as well and then yeah. third season the third season is where everything starts to fall apart so luckily you guys are still in the second season but we'll obviously talk about that <laughs> uh, yeah but uh, yeah all of that uh, happened and so yeah we basically knew what all happened with Tottenham I'm like uh, most of the people who watched the documentary knew, but what was what was more interesting to watch about this uh, documentary was how Jose uh, dealt with things in that, inside the dressing room, and uh, obviously Jose Mourinho, you know, he's a um, he he's just box office. We'll talk about him obviously, but uh, we wanted to see the insights of how things happen behind the scenes of Tottenham, you know, especially uh, when you guys lost seven two to Bayern at. Uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, a stadium where uh, you invested quite heavily on uh, to make it one of the best stadiums in world football. I, I definitely wanted to see the reaction of the players in the dressing room after that match, but I didn't get to see that, unfortunately, uh, because of how they shot the documentary. But yeah, there, there were a lot of things that I wanted to see and get insights of, and I did quite get a lot of things. Uh, 
So yeah, I just wanted to ask you. Uh, I I'm sure you must have also watched uh, other footballing documentaries of other clubs. So, so being a Tottenham fan, you know what uh, you knew what all happened in the 1920 season. You know uh, the ins and outs and yeah. uh, everything, everything about it. So when you watched the documentary, what what did you feel like? Like what sort of change did you realize between what actually happened and what they portrayed in the documentary? Well, yeah, I think. Uh, it was reflected quite well. It was quite. I found the documentary quite results-based. Like it, there was lots of focus on the dressing room around, like especially when Mourinho was there, around every mm. single result and what actually happened. Mm. Um, mm. And yeah, you you got the major things like the injuries and the uh, and you know the the debut goals from from Bergwijn, like the yeah. major parts of the season you did see. But yeah, I think probably there was. Um, like uh, the documentary kind of ignored that they that there was like two months where Pochettino was still a manager, and he was sacked yeah. like um, within probably ten minutes of the first episode. Twenty four so, minutes think, to be precise. <laughs> Twenty four minutes, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, so that would that would make I think most people who didn't have who didn't follow Tottenham it would make them probably think he had been he was sacked very quickly. But yeah, in reality, there is a whole yeah we'll talk about it yeah. Leading up to that, yeah, we'll uh, talk about that later. But I think that's probably the biggest difference between what actually happened and uh, and the uh, um, and how the documentary portrayed it. Yeah, and you know, uh, if you talk, if you take a bit of a look at the history of the all or nothing documentaries, because all or nothing is not something uh, that's happened with Tottenham for the first time. All or nothing is a series that Amazon does. Has been doing from a long time. I mean, like they used to do this in the NFL. I, I actually heard this in the T4 Football podcast where they talk about, uh, spoke about the All or Nothing Tottenham documentary, and they were talking about how uh, All or Nothing used to, uh, you know, portray the behind-the-scenes stuff of the NFL teams and uh, the rugby teams in New Zealand or maybe NFL in England or NFL in the US. And all of that, and how it came to football in Manchester City. So you know, when you talk about these all or nothing documentaries, it's basically about giving fans a positive perspective about uh, the players that are involved in the coaching start, staff that are involved. I mean, I'm sure. Uh, like, I'm. I don't know if you are a big fan of Danny Levy or not, but there are certainly a lot of Tottenham fans who don't quite like Danny Levy and how he deals things in terms of the transfer window and all of that and i'm sure there are a lot of players and tottenham uh, whose attitudes you don't quite like uh, when you sort of see them on social media or maybe on the pitch and when you look at all of, uh, an all or nothing documentary it's basically to you know correct their default correct their faults in the characters and correct their uh, faults in the personality and making them portray as a very good person. I mean, look, uh, if if someone did not know about Daniel Levy and how he goes about things, he'll look at the All or Nothing documentary and he'll go, okay, Daniel Levy is quite a good chairman. I mean, like he really does work hard. He he's a very a nice and humble person, well, which is which he is. Uh, no uh, no arguments on that. He's quite a nice person. Uh, he sure wants to uh, you know uh, lead Tottenham into a very like positive direction sort of a thing but we all know like 
how naive he is and what mistakes or what things he could have done better and all of that so and even if you talk about the players like uh, for example delhi ali or eric dyer like all of these players some, there are some sort of attitude issues and all of that uh, that people of, often question when they see them outside and when you look at the all or nothing documentary you you kind of Uh, listen to the life story and the incidents that they narrate to you and you sort of start uh, sympathizing with them and start relating with them and you start to think okay they they are actually very good people and you you know that's the beauty of documentaries and that's the beauty of uh, you know um, sh- shooting these things because they portray all these things in such a way which makes a viewer connect to what uh, what's been shown uh, and the people that are in display of the screen so what do you have to say about that did you like sort of think i mean like did you look at the likes of maybe harry wings or delhi ali or uh, i don't know eric dyer and you think like okay they're actually good people i mean i i, I kind of really uh, relate to them in terms of their personal life and how they are as people yeah definitely I, well i think um it gives you that extra insight so i i mean i like i like all the top men players they they all uh, yeah like you know after they've been at the like where well, yeah, Tottenham have didn't have made a lot of new signings up until like the mm. uh up until this year basically so like the the players yeah. at the club i i they've been there for between 2 and 5 or 6 years already so yeah. um yeah. you know i i kind of do feel like i have a bond with the players and so yeah. i didn't necessarily come into thinking okay i think this player has attitude problem or this player i don't mm-hmm. necessarily like i think possibly serge aurier uh, serge aurier yeah. just because he's uh, yeah he's a bit clumsy on the pitch doesn't necessarily yeah, exactly. always track back um mm. but then even he you know you see here he works hard in training and uh, and i think yeah the tottenham players do try uh, and they did you know like the um like you know they they trained hard also under pochettino they did try and back him but um but yeah it just didn't go to plan injuries um went against us and of course Mourinho can't come in and fix everything straight away so yeah. um so yeah well yeah what I will say about Daniel Levy as a maybe a naive um chairman <laughs> yeah. I'm quite a big yeah. I'm quite a big fan of Levy myself I I think we have oh, quite right. well yeah I think we have a quite good you know, on like when it comes to him as a chairman like i i would rather him than ed woodward or um, yeah obviously yeah yeah stan kroenke yeah. from man united yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah. man united or arsenal but just because he he does actually care and he wants to push the club in the right direction as you said and so yeah. he didn't invest in a squad rebuild for pochettino and he was too, or he was too late to do so he got in endombele and los also way too late <laughs> yeah um yeah. and uh, and that made sure that tottenham couldn't uh rebuild the way Pochettino wanted it to and then Mourinho has come in and he's obviously promised Mourinho to be better with his spending but then on the other hand yeah. you know he sacrificed Pochettino's uh squad rebuild for a brand new stadium brand new training facilities and he's really brought Tottenham from a solid Premier League club to a club that will challenge for the Premier League every single year um you yeah. know barring a couple of off years that every club has so I do act I do really like Levy and I think he's very a very smart um a very smart businessman and yeah. he's and as an asset with he's he's really helped Tottenham 
Yeah, I, I do agree with all of that you said. And on the context of Daniel Levy, uh, so in this documentary, really uh, fun thing came out, and I actually tried this. So I'll narrate this incident, okay? So, um, so Daniel Levy in one of the episodes, he says that um, obviously running Tottenham uh, or Tottenham Hotspur Football Club is one of the most toughest jobs that he's ever done in his life because he's done. All, a lot of businesses and definitely this is one of the toughest and he cares about the club and he said that uh, fans send him emails and he does read every single email so I'm like okay wait uh, so is this actually real so I actually went on Twitter and someone had posted the tweet that Daniel Levy actually does read read about emails and all that so you can try and test that so in that tweet I, I just put it in the comments that uh, does anyone know the email of Danny Levy? And I'll actually reveal this because you can, even you can try this after the podcast if you want. So it's basically uh, uh, someone put me the email ID daniel.levy at tottenhamotspur.co.uk. And I'm like, okay, uh, that probably doesn't sound pretty right or maybe it's it's not correct, but who knows? Uh, I'll just give it a try. So I'll, I just, <laughs> you know, I just put that email address in my uh email and I, I sent him an email that look I'm liking the all or nothing documentary a lot and I hope you guys will make the season two of the, that as well so I just I just wanted to send a time pass email and I just did that and for my surprise I received a reply from the Tottenham Hotspur communications department uh, I think it was one of the ladies from the communication department who replied to me saying uh, hey there uh, I am very glad that you are um, enjoying the Tottenham Hotspur documentary series. The chairman has read your email and he has asked me to reply on his behalf. And that person did reply to me and say, I said that I hope you are looking forward to the upcoming episodes and yeah, the chairman has read your email and all of that. So I, I was very surprised that, okay, so this actually was true in a sense because uh, I mean, after that, obviously, I wanted to send emails to Edward Wood and all of that because it was in the middle of a transfer window and you know how, how frustrating the transfer window was. But uh, I was quite surprised by the fact that, you know, Danny Levy, you know, does read emails and all of that. And uh, I was just surprised by how I received a reply from the Tottenham Hotspur communication department. So would you try that? I, I, I might. I mean, if he... Uh... If he's making lots of mistakes, I'll send him a mail. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I think it's I think it's good in the current football world, especially yeah. the top clubs. There's such a big divide between the people yeah. at the club and the fans. So um, and if I think the fact that he makes an effort to read the mails and well have yeah. people reply for him, that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, the, you need uh, hit the nail on the head there because um, when I watch documentaries like the Leeds United one or the Sunderland one, um, in in the in those documentaries, I saw the owners or the CEOs of the club, the clubs, the chairmen, like whoever the in charge is uh, at the top of the football club at board level, they used to arrange these sort of fan meetings or fan forums or fan discussions, call it whatever you want. And they used to openly discuss about the problems that the club had and how 
financially the club was struggling they were very transparent with the fans and that's what i liked about all the clubs in the lower divisions and when you talk about the premier league <laughs> i can never expect edward wood or anyone from that manchester united board as a united fan to you know uh, have a meeting with the fans because uh, i know how that's going to end uh, they'll obviously end up getting a lot of abuse maybe uh, some some people might resort to physical violence or uh, whatever but uh it's it's quite a good thing that um uh you know uh, danieli at least uh, uses email as a, a means to sort of read what fans think about uh, how the club's going and what uh, what situation probably needs to be improved from their end and all of that i think it's pretty good and yeah you you can obviously send him an email if you if you ever get frustrated but anyway so let's just dive into the documentary so this was narrated by tom hardy and big fan of tom hardy peaky blinders uh, venom or uh, dark knight rises you know if you know tom hardy you just know him he's just a goat i just love him and uh, him narrating this documentary was one of the biggest things for me i, I really love tom hardy do you love tom hardy as well uh, oliver um well i'm going to be honest i'm like i don't necessarily i'm not necessarily a big fan i uh, haven't watched peaky blinders but uh, i thought he did a really good job of narrating the um the show document yeah uh, yeah really good narration yeah so that he he's yeah. one of the most high, high profile people who's narrated the documentary so i was very happy with that so yeah so uh, like we were discussing earlier the all or nothing documentaries were basically sort of means to uh, represent uh, tottenham as a club and the people at tottenham as people very good people and you know sort of correct their character and all of that and give fans a very positive perspective and insights about what's all going in the club and to be fair amazon did pay a lot of money to tottenham for uh, shooting this documentary and first of all like before just starting off with the discussion i think we we need to like really appreciate the amazon team for uh, shooting this documentary because they have done a fantastic job in shooting it and i think we've just seen about uh, i think every episode was like 15 minutes long so even if you like take it one hour long we've just seen 9 hours of footage of what they've shot but actually you will probably have footage of 10 months and they'll probably have a lot of footage they'll have footage of uh, jose mourinho's tactics a uh, lot of things in the dressing room that they they wouldn't want to show i mean like they were just there day and night with the tottenham team home and away and they they've shot so much and they've put in all the hard work even during the time of the covid pandemic and they managed to like shoot a brilliant documentary that was so entertaining to watch so shout out to the amazon uh, team they've they've done a brilliant brilliant job i think it's not an easy job to you know shoot documentaries of such kind um so yeah so to start off with it um i was quite surprised to see uh, you know the players at tottenham are so close and ex- not exposed but uh, familiar with uh, the english media because by saying that what i mean is that you know you've seen a lot of scenes where all the tottenham players were sitting around in the dining area and the sky sports news was uh, on all the time so these players watch sky sports news and all the debates and transfer rumors all of that are going by it and uh, and by the looks of it i i'm also pretty sure that they 
very much know what goes on on social media and youtube uh, youtube and all of that and i'm very surprised by it so what do you think about it like when the, these players sort of view uh, you know the news and discussions and debates on sky sports and uh, their re- how their reaction amongst themselves and all of that yeah i think uh, i mean i think it's important as a footballer to stay updated you have to know what your team's gonna, what the teams are going to look like uh, you you that you're going to face so i think uh, watching high profile players come through and go to the top clubs that's important piece of knowledge for the players yeah. I can imagine it would yeah. be kind of awkward if uh, a transfer uh, transfer rumor pops up about one of the top <laughs> players while they're all watching together. Um, yeah, that would be a exactly. That would be a awkward yeah. conversation. But uh, no, I think I mean I think you kind of have to as a footballer, and it, it and you know we're surprised because we because we're not in the media every day. We aren't in the, on the news every day, and footballers yeah. are. But then yeah, I guess they're kind of monitoring. Um, yeah, I guess whether the media is also telling the truth because that's the whole thing. The media doesn't always tell the truth about what's going on. Yeah, and I think you know when I think about some of the things that have go on the platforms such as Sky Sports, for example, you've got Paul Scholes, uh, an ex-Man United legend. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, by any chance, uh, he obviously. Uh, states a lot of times that Harry Kane should be playing for teams like United or City or Real Madrid was his move, and I'm thinking if Harry Kane actually sat there in dining room and he was listening to that, what what must be going through his mind? I mean, it, it's gonna it's quite strange to you know uh, sit there and like watching someone talk about you so openly, and it's it's kind of very weird. Uh, what do you think Harry Kane must yeah. be thinking like when he gets linked to? Such moves to like United or City or you know pe- people talking about him moving to a different club just because of the lack of trophies and all of that. Yeah, I guess he must be wondering why he uh, why he's being linked to such small clubs. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but uh, he's. Uh, I mean, he, I think he's very happy at Spurs. I, I I don't see him leaving anytime soon. So. Uh, yeah. I guess he's thinking probably the same as any other player. It's like any like pundits saying he should go somewhere else. Should uh, yeah. I mean that? Yeah, that's just rumors. It's just suggestions, I guess. And uh, I think Harry Kane uh, will stick it out at Spurs, and especially if we win a trophy this season, hopefully. Yeah, I think that's looking very likely, and we'll talk about that obviously later. So, yeah. the first and most important thing that that we can't ever uh, manage to skip talking about is Mauricio Pochettino. So Maurizio Pochettino lasted in this documentary for 24 minutes of the first episode, and to be very honest, I mean, like if you look at it from a football fan perspective, that's quite unfair because Maurizio Pochettino, uh, with all due respect to him and the job, the Im- immense amount of job that he's done at Tottenham Hotspur, he totally changed the face of that football club and. He what he did for Tottenham Hotspur is one of the greatest uh, managerial achievements in terms of uh, you know building a culture and footballing philosophy at a club in modern football history. It's it's just phenomenal what Mauricio Pochettino did with uh, Tottenham Hotspur and uh, the fact that he stayed at the club for a good good half of a decade and saw a club that he built from a very uh, you know 
basic or scratch state and build them to a stature of a top European football club. It's just phenomenal. I mean, like the players that he had when he took charge and the squad that he built when he eventually got the sack was is just phenomenal what he did at tournament. He he himself saw um, the transition of playing at the White Hart Lane, the old White Hart Lane, to the Tottenham Hotspur football stadium, which now happens to be one of the most beautiful and one of the best football stadiums in world football. So, what Tottenham, what Pochettino did at Tottenham, I mean, if you look at it from a footballing perspective, I think, I definitely thought I should have got a lot more footage about Tottenham, uh, Pochettino and how he dealt things with... Uh, players behind the scenes and to be fair uh, I would have seen how he reacted to the 7-2 week, uh, defeat to Bayern Munich uh, in the dressing room with the players and also under him you lost 4-0, to Col- 4-0 on penalties or 4-0 like you lost to Colchester in the League Cup and uh, we have one of our friends on the Discord group that we are on and he's a big Colchester fan and luckily it was a very uh, memorable birthday for him because he was in the stadium and he saw Tottenham get knocked out by Colchester. But yeah, uh, like getting knocked out by Colchester and uh, losing that heavily to, you know, uh, Bayern Munich in the Champions League after a season where with literally no investment, he took the Tottenham team to a Champions League final. I mean, like, what do you think about it? I mean, like, do you feel like, uh, I mean, at least they should have given him an episode or two to Pochettino? I definitely think they should have given him an episode, if not more. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you can understand what he's done for the club. He's yeah. He's built a whole like the yeah the difference between us before he came in and us at the Champions League final, like that can't be understated. That's day and night. Um, yeah. And yeah, and that's uh, and he's a massive part of that. So. Yeah. Yeah, to see him, uh, well, to see him barely get any credit. Uh, at all is uh, kind of disappointing I think that's probably the biggest flaw of the documentary series and well yeah exactly you, I would like I would have wanted to see the struggle where he's trying to actually fix Tottenham because I'm sure he didn't just sit back and let himself yeah, get exactly. sacked I'm sure, he, I'm sure exactly. he was trying to fight for his job and of course we lost uh, like under his reign we lost uh, 7-2 to Bayern Munich. I was going to bring up the 0-0 um, with Colchester and we were knocked out on penalties. And we also lost 3-0 to Brighton. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, those are three terrible results. And how do you cope with that? You know, Yuri's got, uh broke his elbow. Yeah. Uh, he, he, like, he didn't have it easy. He, and, um, yeah, of course, like, Jose is the box office man and Prochettino yeah. is not, he's nothing of the sort. He's way more humble and Quiet. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, like the, even the players uh, had a very good bond with Pochettino. You know, Harry Kane, Eriksson, Deli Ali, uh, all of yeah. all, so on. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I think especially Eriksson, Pochettino knew how to get the best out of him. He was a fantastic player uh, with Pochettino there, and he did kind of slow down to, um, this past season, 1920, before he left. Um, but I think he slowed down even more when Mourinho came in. I don't think he was the yeah. right type of a player for Mourinho's fast-paced football. So, um, yeah. I think, like, Pochettino leaving was probably the final nail in the coffin of uh, 
Ericsson leaving. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a shame. Uh, I didn't see more of that. Yeah, and uh, you know there there are people who often disrespect Pochettino by the fact that he hasn't won anything despite doing so much at Tottenham. You know, I mean like uh, for them, I'd say for you know in life it's not. And not in life, but in football, it's not always about winning trophy, but it's about the impact that the the impact and the change that you have had on a football club and what you have done. I mean, like if I look at the likes of Marcelo Bielsa, uh, at uh, I think in Rosario, Argentina, he's a god and he's got a stadium and people people just love him and he's a cult figure in that place and. Pochettino was kind of the prodigy of Bielsa, and these sort of people—they—they're they, not about winning trophies and winning silverware and all of that. They—they—they they are sort of project managers who, uh, you know, make a statement and make an impact in terms of changing the face and culture of a football club, and that's not very oftenly seen in uh, in football. I mean, even Diego Maradona, who sadly passed away. Uh, a few days before we are recording this, uh, rest in peace because uh, he's one of the greatest players ever uh, in yeah. footballing history. Obviously, uh, even he, like he, he's a god in Napoli, Naples, uh, and people the way they talk about him is just is just so uh, alarming. Not alarming, but it's it's, it's a very uh, good good way to listen to them. I mean, like. It just gives you goosebumps, and it just gives you a very different feel and uh, excitement, and you know, happiness about football because we love football, and like places, especially where football is worshipped as a, a religion, and people are worshipped as religion in that, like Maradona's or Bielsa's or uh, all all those kind of figures. Um, they, it's it's pretty good and it's pretty impactive and. Football is not not just about winning trophies and all of that. It's it's about the impact that you've had and the change that you've made to something. And and the beauty of the documentary is also that I mean, like it's not about showing a success story. It's about portraying what actually happened in the best way possible. And I think this documentary definitely attempted to show not positive news, but Jose Mourinho's first season at Tottenham in the most uh, honest way possible uh, with uh, the insights that they felt could be included and could be shown to the audience. So I think, yeah, people need to respect Pochettino and what the work he's done. I think it was sad when he got sacked, but I don't know. He could be future Manchester United manager now that Pep Guardiola has got the contract and wouldn't mind him, but I would be quite scared uh, by the fact that how less of a backing he might get but that's a totally different topic and you could do a totally different uh, episode on that but anyway not diverting too much so i think when you look at the fact that why pochettino got less screen time is because the document writers i mean let's be honest uh, the amazon deal was signed uh, way before pochettino was sacked or way before the season even started so they yeah. never in a million years expected that Pochettino is going to get sacked and Mourinho is going to come in. So they were definitely planning for a documentary where they're going to show Pochettino's insights and a uh, lot of stuff about Pochettino and how he does things and all of that. And and they would have definitely planned to show more about the players and uh, 
the dressing room and the staff and all of that but 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 as soon as Mourinho came in i'm sure the amazon team that was shooting the documentary for dot uh, him they might have had a meeting and they would have said look jose mourinho has the ultimate box office and the more we uh, give him the star limelight the more entertaining the documentary is going to be so they completely changed the game plan of this uh, documentary uh, and how they're going to show it and they decided to make jose mourinho the main man the star man and revolve this whole uh, documentary around him and what he did and what he is as a person and that i think has to be like applauded a lot because to to show and portray uh, jose mourinho's absolute self is the most entertaining thing in terms of a documentary that you'll get and kudos to the tottenham hotspur documentary team there they just turned it around brilliantly uh, in terms of how they switched uh, to mourinho and how they you know not let fans uh, dwell too much about how they gave less uh, less time to pochettino and all of that so yeah jose mourinho yeah. came in he's obviously the star man uh, so what what was your what was your initial reaction when you heard mourinho was coming to tottenham i guess surprise i was uh, well yeah. i was very surprised i was uh, i heard honestly yeah obviously like yeah. Uh, it happened so quick as well pochettino was gone 12 hours later mourinho was hired uh so yeah i was like i i was reading when pochettino got sacked and like who, who's the front runner and then it's a couple of reports came out saying mario was going to be the front runner i was a bit skeptical and then he did actually get hired i was uh slightly hopeful but i was also kind of dreading this season because you know mario he's a yeah he had exactly. a bad bad last uh, managerial experience at manchester united um yeah three so years three years i was yeah i was very scared are we going to get that mario or the mario that uh, did so well for chelsea and real madrid and inter milan but yeah especially very surprised i think um and so far i think it's been a pretty positive um start for him especially this season yeah yeah and uh, you know jose mourinho as a person like look as a manager i um, like lost my liking for him uh, due to me being a manchester united fan and how things went in his third season in charge but uh, even when he got sacked i uh, i wrote a very big post on uh, my social media saying that how i respect I'll, how i'll always respect him as a person and how i'll always respect him for taking up the job and trying his best to turning the fortunes around at united some things didn't go his way and some things uh, he could have ha- been helped better by the board but ultimately like the sack was the right decision and but i'll always respect him as a person and jose mourinho as a person he is just box office i mean if you if you <laughs> if you want to take life inspiration or uh like if you just want to get motivated uh, you know the kick up the ass kind of a thing mourinho is the man i mean like he'll motivate you to such a level that you will just go and give your life for him and he's that sort of a manager and that was clearly visible in this whole documentary you know yeah. i i i still keep i still keep using some of the lines that he used in the whole documentary you know uh, the good guys they don't nev- they never win uh we 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 need to be a bunch of bad guys the bad c word that he used 
C-U-N word <laughs> that I can't obviously uh, utter here. But the way he shouts and the way he shows aggression, passion towards the players, it's just so entertaining to watch. It's The, the man's char- charisma is just, just amazing. And I think that was obviously the biggest highlight of this documentary. And to be very fair, without Jose Mourinho, this documentary would have probably been bit boring i'd say because there's not really like something over the top in terms of the story and all it was just because of Mourinho's brilliant uh, personality and his brilliant on-screen presence uh, that's what made the documentary probably a 9 or 9.5 out of a 10 for me and Mourinho is it's all all the way Mourinho about it and i think yeah. it, it's just it's just brilliant how he does things and it's just a delight to see him in the dressing room and how he talks about things. So, yeah. Uh, so, l- let's move on about things. So, uh, obviously, Jose Mourinho, when he said he said that Sissoko has a big influence in the dressing room. And I was surprised because I kind of see Sissoko and I, I kind of got surprised that Sissoko, that sort of a man, has a very big influence in the dressing room. What did you think about it when you first heard it from Mourinho? I mean, to be honest, I wasn't very surprised. He's... Um, he arrived from, uh, from from Newcastle in 2016 when they went down, and he was initially like he, he was initially very poor. He didn't establish himself at all, yeah. and he was also um, Pochettino was playing him on the right uh, of midfield mm. where he played at Newcastle, and yeah. uh, for, and for France as well where he was actually pretty good. Um, yeah. But then I think, but then I think in his second season he um, Pochettino tried playing him more centrally, and he's really kind of established himself as a cult hero. Everyone calls Sissoko the goat if you're a Tottenham fan. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's a he's he's really an incredible player. He has great stamina and yeah, he is a leader and a senior figure among the team. He's I think 31 or something like that, and he yeah. still has lots of stamina. He has lots to give, and he's um, also proven that he's quite a able Mourinho player this season. Mourinho's yeah. um, playing him over Harry Wings or Giovanni Lo Celso. Um, so I, yeah, it didn't really surprise me. Like him, Harry Kane, um, Yuris, and probably the centre backs for John and Alvarez. Though they're the most influential people who are who start most of the games for yeah. for us. Yeah, it's it's quite good that how we got to know that side of Sissoko for the people who didn't know. So I think yeah, that's pretty good. And. Uh, and also we saw stuff like tactical footage. Uh, we didn't see a lot of tactical footage uh, in the whole documentary. I mean, like if you combine the whole tactical footage of the whole nine episodes, it would probably be around half an hour or maybe around that uh, 10 minutes plus or minus. But it's, it, there's not a lot of tactical um, footage and maybe that might be because uh, the staff didn't probably want to show that much of footage uh, tactical uh, on the documentary, but we did see a couple of things tactically. Like, for example, how uh, the the game against Olympiacos that uh, you came back and won at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and in that game yeah. uh, at halftime, at, at halftime uh, we saw the footage. You basically used uh, Serge Aurier as this uh, wide wide right attacking player 
he wanted to use uh, Aurier's attacking strengths, and that's what made a huge difference to that game. And but but that you know uh, that also proved the fact that how Mourinho wants to use that right-sided fullback as an attacking asset because uh, this season he obviously bought Matt Doherty from uh, Wolves, and he's pretty much suited to what. Mourinho wanted uh, from Serge Aurier last season in terms of his attacking output and all of that. So, Matt Doherty's transfer uh, kind of justified that thing. And we saw a tactic that Mourinho even for now uses a lot uh, with Serge Aurier. So, that was one of the tactical things. And uh, I think also we have to talk about the Man United matches because uh, that's where you saw a bit of a tactical gist of what Mourinho gives to his players. So, the first match uh, that happened at Old Trafford that you guys lost, uh, incidentally, uh, I got to know that the Old Trafford um, crew did not allow the Amazon uh, documentary crew uh, inside the stadium because they are very uh, strict in terms of uh, dressing room inside uh, information because they, d- they wouldn't want cameras in a dressing room where uh, players talk about some sensitive things uh, like on-field tactics and all of that. And United have said their stance would be the same if they were to shoot their personal documentary and they wouldn't shoot it on an Amazon Prime or Netflix. They would rather stream it on Manchester United TV. But the yeah. United game at Old Trafford, that wasn't pretty much shown. But the away game at the uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which, which happened after lockdown, I loved this thing. Mourinho uh, was there at United for three years and... Some of the things that he said, uh, that Pogba, he will come on and from a wide right position, he'll put a put a put in a long ball to Rashford uh, on wide left and Rashford will be through one-on-one. So, you have to deal with him very well. And how Bruno Fernandes, uh, the Portuguese player, a fellow Portuguese, uh, was playing in the holes. And, you know, I, I saw some of that and I'm thinking, this is quite interesting to watch. So... What, do, what did you think about the tactical footage and tactical stuff that was shown in the whole documentary? Well, yeah, I did I did find it fascinating. You touched on that when uh, he talked about Pogba coming uh, right uh, coming yeah. right to the right and then spring a pass left. That, that, that yeah. literally happened in the game, like minutes yeah, after Pogba exactly. came on. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Very impressive. The, he, he, it's good to see like he knows his team still, like the Manchester United team. Yeah. And I think it was interesting. I think that that's also what makes him such a great manager. He does his research. He knows how the teams play that he's going to uh, play against. He had a tactical break before the Leipzig game as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Which was again, yeah, yeah. we did end up losing, but um, especially the first game was wasn't um, wasn't uh, domination. It was a very close game. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it it does show that Mourinho is a very tactically. Um, yeah, one of the best tactical managers um, ever in football. Yeah. Ever, yeah. He he knows he like he knows how to we, uh, see out the game, get at least a draw or get a win. He yeah, and he doesn't play the most flashy football, but he plays very yeah. effective football. Yeah, he he's a result oriented manager if you want to be precise. So, and also uh, yeah, and also uh, 
I liked how you know when he got appointed at Tottenham and he was sitting in his uh, chair in the dressing room and he had Sky Sports uh, playing in front of him on the television and some one of the pundits was saying Mourinho is finished as a top level manager he this is probably his last big job in the Premier League he won't uh, he's finished as a manager Tottenham are not going to do well he's going to get the sack and all of that and Mourinho was like f off man and. I mean, and this season I'm seeing that because Mourinho isn't done as a top-level manager, and I never believed that too uh, when he got sacked from United because I knew it was more like the Mourinho. Uh, it was more like the Mourinho uh, fever or the dilemma, like the Mourinho, the typical Mourinho thing, the, the typical Mourinho way, because it always happens. He comes in, he has an okayish first season. Uh, with ups and downs, the second season is all, always his most effective season uh, in terms of the league, and uh, the third season is when he starts to lose off dressing rooms and he gets the sack and then he gets the next job. That's always been Jose Mourinho as the manager, and I and he's just 56 years old, and I thought that's going to be the same case at Tottenham, and it did prove to be that. Uh, second season now we're seeing what Mourinho is building. It's quite scary uh, in some respects. But uh, it was always going to be that, and fair play to him, he abused the Sky Sports pundits who doubted him, and it's 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 a credit to his personality, like you were mentioning. He's one of the uh, best tacticians in the history of the game, and uh, he's a re- result-oriented manager, and he's a he's he's a manager with a very strong mentality who doesn't like to give up, and he likes to prove his haters wrong. And get a revenge over people who have a pop at him and something like that, which we saw again this season at United uh, where we lost at Old Trafford. So yeah, about that. And I also liked how uh, you know in his first press conference he talked about how lucky he was to have Scott McTominay at United uh, because McTominay is an incredibly talented player. I mean I don't get it. Mourinho, Sir Alex Ferguson, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. All these three people like Scott McTominay a lot. I don't know what what Scott McTominay shows to them on the training pitch, but on the football field, in terms of his footballing ability, I don't I haven't seen um, the best sort of McTominay. But I don't know Mourinho, Mourinho, Sir Alex, and Oli. These three people, they must have seen something in this guy. But uh, that's what again I liked about Mourinho. So yeah, he's yeah. everywhere in this documentary. So you ha- you have to say something about that. Well, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, proving his hate's wrong. And I think also, yeah, he does kind of embrace the fact that people love to hate him. He, uh, yeah, you know, he's a very controversial figure and he leans into that rather than trying to, you know, talk talk it out and be a nice guy. He's okay with being the villain occasionally, which I think is something mm-hmm. this, this Spurs squad desperately needed. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. There was, in the big games, there was a real lack of bite. And uh, I think you would probably best see that in the Champions League final in 2019. It was, yeah. you know, we showed great character to get through against Ajax, but then in a, in the Champions League final, it was just a boring affair. Pochettino, like the penalty, there was a penalty in the first minute, which didn't help. Uh, yeah. That gave Liverpool space to just sit back and let us attack. But uh, we showed no grit to uh, press, win the ball back and move on. And I think if if Mario had been our manager for the final, things might have been able to go differently. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, that's a very valid argument, I would say, because 
he does give a kick up the ass of the players. So it's it's quite a relevant argument. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So. So yeah, that's that's what I uh, have to say about him um, as a figure in the media. Yeah. So after that, uh, obviously, we we saw the situation with Christian Eriksen. Now about Christian Eriksen, in the first one or two episodes, you know, he he did not have many lines or uh, dialogues to speak, and he wasn't really shown as much. But he was just shown in the background along with the other players and all of that, and he made quite funny faces. I mean, like if you if you screenshot his face, you could probably make memes of it. But the Christian Eriksen situation uh, was shown in the documentary, and I would say that the situation that happened behind the scenes was quite different to what it was shown in the documentary. I mean, um, look, I mean, in the documentary, it was shown in a way that Christian is a player that Mourinho really rated and really liked, and he really wanted to um, stay at the club and wanted to get the best out of him. And then we saw this weird scene where... Uh, Daniel Levy, Mourinho, and uh, Eriksson were sitting in Mourinho's office, and they they were talking about the Inter Milan transfer. How to like say, look, uh, I, and and this and this scene, I and uh, this scene where Daniel Levy told Eriksson that look, Inter Milan's offering you, but uh, I, I think in this circumstances, I wouldn't let you go uh, for any less than twenty million. And then when Eriksson was like, but. Uh, but you're really talking to them, and you're really talking to them about the offers, right? And Daniel Lee is like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm doing that. I'm, uh, I'll definitely look into the offers, and we'll definitely negotiate. But the price has to be right. And I'm looking at the scene, and, and I'm like, this sort of, you know, looks like a scene where, you know, they, they're conscious that they are being looked by the cameras for the documentary, and they've got to act kind of formal in that. And you know. The Ericsson situation, I think, think whatever you want, but I think it could have been handled much better because if you wanted to sell him, uh, like if if you knew that he didn't want to stay at all, like he he probably made up his mind that he wanted to leave, and if you if you if he did really wanted to leave, I think you should have probably sold him a little earlier and you should have sold him for a bit more higher value because he's a player. At that time, uh, like one or two seasons back, he was a very, very good player, and he would have got you 50 million or 40 million tops. Uh, so, like letting him go for 20 million is, I think, very uh, bad business deal in my opinion. And and the way uh, like he was not really used well uh, during his last uh, few weeks or months at Tottenham and. The way his whole contract situation was handled was not probably right, and you would probably agree or disagree. That's your opinion, but I, I'm pretty sure you would think that it could have been handled much better. What do you think about the Christian Eriksen situation? Yeah, well, as you say, I think it definitely should should have been handled much better. Tottenham is a yeah. club, like Livy's a tough negotiator, and as a result, we've seen that uh, Tottenham really struggle to sell players. So. Um, like you remember, uh, well, so this Ericsson situation is a um, proof that he already said he wanted a new challenge in the in the summer after the Champions League final. So um, I think it would have been smart of Levy to um, sell him while he's in the last uh, year of his, while he's just entering the last year of his contract. He would have gotten, yeah, 60 million maybe even for him because he's such a fantastic yeah, yeah, player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, I know, um, but then Levy's really, um, really does 
struggle to to sell players. Um, mm. You see that you've seen the same with Danny Rose this uh, this season. Yeah, he, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, Vincent Long, Vincent Janser, um the Dutch striker we signed a few years ago. He was sold mm. to uh, Monterey maybe this summer or last summer. Anyway, he he spent so such a long time just playing for the under 23s or out injured. Like, yeah, we yeah. struggle to sell players quickly while they still, still, still maintain some resale value. Um, Toby Alderweireld entered the last year of his contract and had a £25 million buyout clause, which is nothing for him. Um, it was down to the fact that he decided to stay at the club and sign a new deal that we didn't lose for free. Yeah. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's something that Levy could have improved on. And that's, I think, why the Ericsson situation went so wrong. And then they also probably didn't find the right buyer for Ericsson because he's, yeah, yeah, he's he's on the bench now. He's he isn't playing very much for Inter Milan. I think yeah. a different club he would have been a fantastic um, and a fantastic signing. But uh, he just isn't the type of player that fits into Antonio Conte's system at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. Because when I initially thought that Conte really wanted Ericsson, I thought maybe not this season like the previous season but uh, this current season the 2020-21 season I really thought if Ericsson were to like settle into the center team maybe Inter Milan would have been strong title contenders but it wasn't totally the case because Conte was so stubborn with the system and all of that and Chris and Ericsson's just now frozen out and now sadly like if you ask for people's opinion on what they think Ericsson's best destination could be they say Arsenal and that's that's probably one of the most controversial things to even consider for you as a Tottenham fan. I believe so. It's it's quite uh, not good with the Ericsson situation how it's gone down. So, would you, would you really mind if Ericsson went to Arsenal or what do you think about? Oh, that? I really, I really don't want him to go to Arsenal. He's one of my favorite <laughs> ever Tottenham players. Uh, like he came from yeah. Ajax, and I have a soft spot for Ajax being. Uh, being yeah. Dutch and having lived in Amsterdam for so long, um, yeah, and you know he's been so good for us. He's he's the assist king. Uh, I think he would yeah. really, yeah, he'd really ruin his reputation in England if he went to Arsenal. And <laughs> yeah. then we'd have kind of yeah. a indirect Saul Campbell situation all over again, which I wouldn't. Oh like. yeah, if he goes, yeah, if he goes to Manchester United, for instance, well, you don't need him anymore. But if he were to go yeah. to like a, a different top club that aren't our direct rivals. I'd be somewhat okay with that. I think uh, I heard interest from Dortmund recently, which I would also really like. I think he'd fit the system well. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that would be an interesting move. But uh, anywhere but Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, he was one of the most underrated players uh, in his prime. So, yeah, I think it would quite make sense for... A fan like you for him to wanting to do somewhere else other than Arsenal. So yeah. So after that, obviously, the one of the biggest underlining things in the whole documentary was the injury crisis. I mean, Mourinho even said this in one of the episodes. What happened to us this season is impossible. I mean, yeah, in a way that's true because uh, what happened over the course of the whole season is just crazy because the whole world went crazy and. It, it was just a total uh, circus kind of a thing. And Tottenham, especially with injuries. Harry Kane got injured, then Son got injured, and 
it just started to go downhill all the way. I think even I don't remember if Ben Davis got injured, but the the, the you were just and even Lurie's got injured. Yeah, Lurie's had that unfortunate yeah. shoulder injury, uh, which was pretty sad. And you you had played Gazaniga, and credit to Gazaniga, he was f- fantastic in some of the games. Uh, I remember his game at Anfield. He was just unreal in making some of the saves that he was making uh, for you guys. So. I think, yeah, uh, what do you have to tell about the injury crisis and how it was shown in this documentary? Well, yeah, so Tottenham the last couple of seasons especially really struggled with injuries. And I think mm. that has been reflected quite heavily in the documentary because that's something that Mourinho really, um, really complained about a lot, I think. And yeah, it was really impossible, I think. Uh, in January, there was a point where Son and Kane were injured and that went up all the way until the um, the season stopped due to the COVID crisis. So the fact that you know the fact that we've had to line up with uh, with the front four of uh, Della Ali, uh, Eric Lamella, I think he was also injured for a while. Lucas Moura and Steven yeah, Berger, who also struggled with injuries. It's like we we had to really we we were down to the bare bones, and that's down to lack of investment, but also just unlucky. And the crisis came at the right time for us, definitely. Yeah, um, I think that really helped your injury crisis to solve itself and give Mourinho some options back. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, and in defence we also struggled. I think at some point, yeah, yeah. So then Tanganga ended up having to play most of our games from uh, January onwards, having only made his debut against Liverpool. So. Yeah, that's uh... yeah. Yeah, so on the context of Jaffa Tanganga, so we'll talk about the next topic later. But let's just get on to Jaffa Tanganga. So his debut uh, moment was quite beautifully portrayed. I mean, I think he's uh, Tottenham lad. Uh, Jose Mourinho initially struggled to pronounce his name, and that was quite funny. Pronounced Tanganga, and then. Uh, he gave him his debut, he put faith and trust in the lad and he just absolutely fired him up and he went against Liverpool at uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and he, he, he really made a very very impressive debut and I think yeah. uh, the portrayal of his debut scene, I think it was quite brilliantly shown. What do you have to think about that, say about that? Oh, I definitely agree. I think his debut against Liverpool is still probably his best game to, to date for Tottenham. Um, yeah. Maybe except for I think it was a game against Middlesbrough in the FA Cup that we ended up winning, where he was also fantastic. But yeah, he made a couple of last-ditch blocks into clearances. Uh, he kept Liverpool's front line yeah. quiet, which isn't an easy feat. And then I think it was just the one, yeah, it was just the one goal that uh, that we conceded, which was down partly down to him. But I think not much he could have done about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, then since then he's been. I think I think he's a fantastic player, but since then he has definitely been overplayed due to the injuries. He, uh, you know, as a young player, you want to be phased in slowly. You want to have uh, slowly have a chance to impress. But he ended up starting most of our Premier League games for um, yeah. for a couple of months, and he's had a real uh, couple, yeah he had a couple of really bad performances also in the Champions League against Leipzig, which isn't which is understandable, right? He's a he's he's a young, young player. player. Yeah, who gets thrown in against Timo Werner. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. Uh, and Sa- Sabitzar and Poulsen, they were all in good form that season. So, I think, yeah, it's quite unfair. Yeah. 
but anyway, yeah, so he's been injured. Basically, since then, he's had a really big injury, but he's slowly coming back. He, uh, I think he, I think he made his return. Uh, was it again? Yeah, it was in the Europa League. He made his return against uh, Ludogorets and uh, oh, had a really okay. good performance. Kept a clean sheet. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's yeah, it's good to see him back. Have another centre back option because that's probably where we are weakest at the moment. Um, yeah. But yeah, good young player. Yeah, and uh, like at centre back, uh, talking about that, I mean Eric Dyer, who, who was a midfielder that you know, when Mourinho was at United, he quite fancied him for the defensive midfield role. And when he came at Tottenham, I was like, Dyer, Eric Dyer would um, would actually just love Jose Mourinho because Mourinho loves Dyer, and Dyer would love Mourinho, and uh, I think Mourinho will play him a lot in midfield, but. Eventually, like uh, the the start of Eric Dyer under Mourinho did not go quite well, and even he got dropped out and he got subbed at uh, I think half an hour or half time against uh, Olympiakos in that Champions League game, and then and then now he's uh, your one of your starting centre backs and he's in a way made a revival of his Tottenham career. So I think yeah, Eric Dyer. What do you have to say uh, about Dyer's transition from that uh, midfield position where he was really struggling when Mourinho came in to becoming your starting centre-back now? Yeah, well, I, I've always thought he's uh, he's better in as, as, as a centre-back. He got played it, uh, in the midfield quite a lot under Pochettino uh, and also at the start under Mourinho, but he's just not mobile enough. He's... He makes yeah. dumb mistakes and and he's like <laughs> like with Hoy, he, I think Mario kind of expected him to fill the role that Hoybjerg's done for us this season to just clean up everything and be a physical presence, but mm. he's just not agile enough to do that. So to shift him back, like I remember in 2016-17, the season we got the closest to the Premier League title we ever have, um, and we that was probably the best football we played under Pochettino. Eric Dyer mm. was the uh, the middle centre back of the back three. He was fantastic. Yeah. He uh, he was really very good. So I think to see him kind of develop into a left-sided centre back, um, he ha- he's struck a great partnership with Alderweireld and Sanchez in the past few yeah. uh, in the past few games this season. And he's and I would argue he's been our most consistent centre back so far this season, which is great to see. Yeah, and uh, in that midfield, obviously, we saw another very beautiful story, which is of Harry Wings, a Tottenham Academy lad who got promoted under Pochettino and uh, under Mourinho. He, I think there was a game where uh, Mourinho gave him the captain's armband and it was a very proud moment for him and it was quite beautifully portrayed in the documentary. And obviously, you saw the good side of him, uh, how he went to orphanage homes in London and spoke to elderly people uh, in old age homes and how uh, brilliantly he interacted with them, played games with them and was quite jovial with them and then he obviously got his moment of captaincy for Tottenham and all of that. So what do you have to make about uh, Harry Winks' development as a midfielder at Tottenham and his uh, game where he got the captain's armband and how it's shown in the documentary? Yeah, well, he's a, he is a, very, he is a good academy, academy player. He came through, I think, in 17-18 under Pochettino. Uh, he's yeah, good. around that, he's, yeah. He's yeah, he's got a couple of really important goals for us. A last-minute winner um, and a part of a good comeback win against West Ham. Um, so, yeah, he's had a good impact on the team. 
he has been criticised before for being quite before being a sideways passer, kind of just in the in the team to make up the numbers in an injury crisis, which especially at the start of his career, I, I'd agree with. He passed. He he was he struggled to progress the ball, but then he's completely turned it around recently. He's like as a, while he's developed, he's turned into a way more progressive passer and dribbler. He's a very you know he he's very good at getting just between the midfield line and passing ahead. So I'd say he's a very positive. Uh, he always has a very positive contribution when he's a part of the Spurs team, and you know he makes up for his lack of physicality by um, by being very aggressive in trying to win the ball back and move the ball forward and keep the keep the ball going. And he's also yeah he is a positive influence in the changing room. He being an academy player, you know he knows what it means to play for Tottenham and kind of like Harry Kane, yeah, he's very vocal. And he definitely deserves the captain's armband. Yeah. And I remember about Harry Wings, how, uh, like, in the 17-18 season, like you mentioned, uh, when you guys played as uh, United at Old Trafford, uh, I remember Pochettino made a quite bold move to play him and, like, the defensive midfielder in that game. And I was quite surprised that a young 18-19 year old English lad coming to Old Trafford and absolutely dictating the game for Tottenham and I was like wow this is quite brave and this this kid is quite uh, quite a good player so yeah I'd agree with you he's probably had a very good progress he was obviously uh, troubled by injuries but he's made up for that quite well so yeah uh, so uh, after that obviously the main uh, the, one of the biggest talking points of the documentary that I think uh, a lot of people had discussions and debates about. So as you know, we talked about Jaffa Tanganga playing a lot of games, and I remember him playing a lot of games at left back, uh, like a, cent- a, cent- a centre back doing a make- makeshift job at left back because you had problems. But Danny Rose, Danny Rose, this is where we'll talk about it. Yeah. So Danny Rose was apparently fit enough and. So, the, so there was this scene in the documentary where uh, Danny Rose goes into Jose Mourinho's dressing room uh, office and he absolutely fumes and you know, goes at Jose Mourinho that uh, I've noticed a recent note, recently noticed that you haven't been playing with me, uh, playing me in the team. Uh, I mean, what have I done to not deserve my chance? The other other players have been equally terrible. So I deserve my chance. I, I want to know why... Uh, why what have they done that i haven't done uh to not give me a chance and all of that and he just absolutely went in on Mourinho, and he was actually quite right because i remember like uh, your backline wasn't doing quite well was conceding a lot of goals and danny rose i think he played against liverpool uh, at left back and uh, yeah. after that I, I i don't really remember him playing that uh, that much a lot and it was quite relevant how he asked Mourinho that why wasn't he getting chances ahead of Tanganga or Davis or uh, the other underperforming under, under players that this first team had. And Mourinho, Mourinho's reply was obviously not satisfactory. And then Danny Rose just went off and went like, okay, I'm going to talk to Danny Levy. And he just went off and he sorted his move in Newcastle. And uh, is he still at Tottenham or is, uh, where is he, Danny Rose, right now? Yeah, he's at Tottenham. He plays for the under twenty threes now. He's uh, not made in our Premier League squad. Oh so, shit! Yeah, uh, uh, that's, that's quite. 
that's quite bad yeah but what do you have to make of that that particular incident i mean that that was quite entertaining to watch for me that was that is the sort of the content that i wanted to watch in this documentary so yeah, what do you have to say about that particular scene well i think i mean i'm hardly surprised by it if i'm honest i think dying roses i mean dying roses always spoken out how he's not always been happy as tottenham and he's had a couple of really tough injuries um and really long injuries I think it was in 16-17 he started the season really well. One of the best yeah, left-backs in the that, league. Yeah, then, yeah, Kyle Walker and Danny Rose, one of the best full-back yeah. pairings in the league. Yeah, and then uh, he got injured uh, for, like, I think, yeah, maybe even more than a year. It was... Um, and she's never been the same since, honestly. And, yeah, it's. I do think it's fair to say um, for him to ask, yeah, what he's uh, done to not even deserve a chance. But then again, yeah, I guess Mourinho just didn't rate him. Uh, Daniel Rose has always been a very outspoken figure. He's always been very honest and blunt to the media about what he wants to do. Um, he's always spoken about um, wanting to move on after his contract ends and to go back up north. So, um, so yeah, it's not a surprise to see him actually walk to Mourinho and say, hey, I want more game time. And, <laughs> and yeah, well, I think it's, it's a shame Mourinho can't give it to him but then we've kind of signed his replacement in Sergio Reguilon yeah that's a a very good signing yeah I think that's a fantastic signing and um, unfortunately for Danny Rose I just think he's not at the top of his game anymore and he'll do well to move on hopefully in January and otherwise in the summer um, his contract expires so then he'll move on probably to the championship or somewhere else maybe a lower Premier League club yeah uh, and I think um, you're quite right because he was one of the best fullbacks in the league and like he he obviously was pretty right to ask Mourinho why he didn't get game time and that was an entertaining instance so I think yeah that was quite good apart from that the, there's this thing that I noticed in the documentary so uh, if you notice um, like there were instances where Mourinho was uh, giving a team talk or a tactical talk to the whole team in the conference room and uh, I think it was after the game against uh, Chelsea or I think it was one of the games that you had drawn or lost against uh, uh, some of the, one of the mid-table or the lower half teams at, at home. And Mourinho, after that game, he showed um, like the footage of the game and he went like, Delhi Ali is not tracking back, which is why your centre-backs got into trouble and uh, we end up conceding the goal. So... So there are instances where like Mourinho individually addresses uh, one or two players like Delhi Ali or maybe uh, Eric Dyer or uh, you know players like that. He, he individually addressed some of the players uh, for the mistakes that they committed that led to goals. And I'm thinking, look, this documentary is not just for us to watch. Even the players can watch this documentary, the Tottenham players. And now if Delhi Ali at the time of recording of the documentary, he wouldn't know what scenes would be shown in the documentary and what scenes wouldn't be shown. But definitely after looking at the documentary and he'd go like, hang on a minute, we've conceded a lot of goals this season and I'm pretty sure Mourinho would have pointed out at individuals for not doing well enough to stop avoiding conceding that goal. And yet, despite that, only his mistake gets underlined in the whole documentary which portrays him in a bad way 
So I think that is one of the drawbacks of the documentary. I, I think uh, that has been there because De- because Delhi Ali can look at that and he can go like they've just shown when Mourinho has uh, blamed me uh, for my mistakes in the goal. And even uh, if you remember when Jose came in, uh, he was telling to one of his trainers how Delhi Ali is good as a player, but he is not a good uh, training player. I mean, like he doesn't train well. Because Mourinho has always been a manager who's who believes in training and what he sees on the training pitch. Like if a player does well on the training pitch, he'll just give him the game time. And if he's not satisfied, he he'll he just drop him and not give him game time. And that's pretty much evident in what we are seeing with Delhi Ali this season. I I've hardly seen him play. Uh, so yeah, what do you have to say about that? Because uh, I'm sure uh, there there were a lot of players who Mourinho would have blamed, but individualistically do you think it's quite unfair to like just portray one or two players in the whole documentary well i mean i don't, I don't think it's fair to portray one or two but i think it's understandable yeah. you don't have unlimited yeah. runtime so you have to and if you yeah, want to show exactly. making players accountable which i think they should show because that's an important part of being a football manager i think it yeah it's important to, see, to give an example i think it was a good example they gave where Mourinho is talking about how if Del Ali uh, puts a bit more effort into tracking back, the goal doesn't happen. So I would say, yeah, yeah I think it's good of, that Mourinho um, can can tell Delhi um, about that and hold him, uh, yeah, hold him accountable for the for his mistake, which yeah, yeah, which I think is an important part of being a functioning team. Um, you know, acknowledging your mistakes and trying to move on from that. But then yeah, I think this season. Um, Del Ali is quite a big personality, so they've obviously um, not seen eye to eye at all times. So yeah, um, I hope you'll come back. I I really like him. I think he's a great player, but um, but yeah, probably Mourinho's gonna expect a better attitude from him in training. And yeah, when we're talking about the mistakes, he he's just coming off a very good performance again in the Europa League last week. So I hope we'll I hope we'll see the best side of him a bit more this season yeah 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 surely um so after that obviously we need to talk about danny levy a bit i mean uh, i liked a lot of things and i've uh, about him uh, like how he was shown in the documentary and some of the things that i've saw uh, i've seen of danny levy i saw and i went like well <laughs> i felt like laughing because that came pretty naive for me because like some of the dialogues where he said, uh, like when COVID actually started an outbreak uh, in the world, he made lines like the world's in a crazy place and things are going well and all of that. And th- those sort of things showed like the good side of Danny Levy. But there were certain instances, like I mentioned earlier about the Christian Eriksen contract handling situation and uh, the Endombele situation, which we'll talk about next uh, after this and most importantly I remember when you guys signed Steven Bergwijn he came with his family to the Tottenham dining area in the stadium and uh, he went like uh, hey look you gotta make an instant impact for Mourinho you, you, you've you been signed yeah so just make an instant impact for Mourinho and then uh, one of the people who was sitting around that area went like he's just coming from Netherlands so he'll uh, he'll 
take some time to settle in and Danny Levy was like yeah yeah of course yeah 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 so you just take your time you'll you'll settle in when Lee and I'm thinking how naive is this man I mean like he doesn't exactly know like how Mourinho is going to use him and how he's going to settle in at Tottenham and all but for on the footballing and the tactical side of things I mean even I, I've seen Jose Mourinho uh, having some tactical conversations to Danny Levy in the dining area and all of that and I'm thinking does he really understand what <laughs> I mean he's being told by Mourinho and all that and like some of those instances like come across pretty naive from Danny Levy so what do you have to say about that yeah well I mean I he's not the football manager obviously so he won't know everything exactly <laughs> I think, yeah. yeah so yeah I think like he's probably he, he does he's a very good businessman and yeah he did yeah. and I think the way he secured the signing of Steven Bergwijn was Good, uh, but it, but he did he did come at a pretty hefty price, thirty million. So I, it's understandable for Libby to want to um, want to want him to have instant impact. Of course, he he did with his debut goal against, goal against Manchester City, but uh, but you know uh, since then he has really kicked on. He's been uh, he's been a bit, a bit of a slow starter, which is okay. So uh, and I'm sure I'll see, we'll see more from him as time goes on. But then yeah. I think regarding Levy's naivety, I think he does want to be involved with the club and with the team and with Mario to, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to know what's going on and if everything's going well. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think, I think he's, it's almost a good thing, him being slightly naive about the things he's talking about. Um, yeah. he, he's just trying to know if everything's going okay and he's trying to help the club move forward yeah and uh, about that so we obviously saw the situation with Ndombele like how there was probably a rift between Mourinho and Ndombele and this season I heard that they wanted to put their personal differences aside just for the benefit of Tottenham and we, we've seen much more of Dombele and how like we've seen the better part of him like how good he can be as a player but uh, like obviously but the last season he struggled a lot and what do you have to say about that I mean and Dombele and his struggles at Tottenham first season yeah I mean for the first season uh, I think it was pretty obvious that he he was a fantastic player well he is a fantastic player you could see we could see that yeah. from his debut one of the he best beautiful... he, he, yeah yeah he was one of the best players in Europe uh, like the previous season uh, yeah the, the season That's before you signed him so and he scored a good debut goal, and he was looking to move the ball forward constantly, uh, even on his debut. Uh, but then, like you know, he's picked up a few injuries, and that really did take a lot out of him. He definitely got criticised a lot for his off the ball work. His not he didn't um, he doesn't run like he, he didn't run as enough, and that's where the rift came from. But yeah, um, the COVID break slightly helped, um, and uh, especially this break uh, with a proper preseason. That seems to have really helped him in the belly. Um, bump with Mario again, talk out, talked out. And uh, now I think they're, um, they're better friends. And Nobelli is now actually able to show his class by uh, yeah, by by being able to uh, work off the ball while at the same time push the ball forward with his fantastic footwork and dribbling. Yeah, and, and uh, his so, oh, strength as well, strength as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a very strong player, very physical, which fits Mourinho's style very well. And he, yeah, he operates almost as a ten at times, 
Um, but then I, I think he's a, he's just as capable sitting yeah, in front of the yeah, defense yeah. and breaking down play. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And yeah, it's quite natural. I mean, like, um, I agreed with you totally because like Mourinho is a manager who wants total work rate from his player, and any player who does not track back or um, like acts lazy on the pitch, he just gets pissed off with him, and he has a fight with that player, which is uh, again a part of a reason why he did didn't get really well along with Paul Pogba apparently at United. So yeah, so that was one of the reasons for his rift and obviously like Levy even mentioned and even uh, some people mentioned that he was coming from France to Premier League and not all players uh, can hit the ground running in the first season itself they need one season to settle and uh, to get used to the conditions and the language and all of that and the second season is really where you start kicking on and I think yeah, that's what we're seeing with Dombele and ho- hopefully it goes well for him with Spurs in the uh, months to come so yeah and so so the next thing that obviously the document or documentary really showed well about was the those few key moments of the season that uh, you, you really had a good time in like for example the game against Manchester City I mean that game was given some monumental importance in the in the documentary how Steven Bergwijn uh, came in and scored the debut goal and how Mourinho outclassed uh, in his typical way to Pep. And uh, yeah, so I mean, oh, sorry that I just lost a bit. Uh, so yeah, uh, so there were some moments like obviously the City game where you, Mourinho in his typical way outclassed Pep. And then uh, the FA Cup, some of the FA Cup games where you progress, but eventually the, the no, you got knocked out. But uh, the progression in the FA Cup, the win against Olympiacos, and obviously the beautiful moment where the ball boy uh, uh, made uh, made the day for uh, himself and had lunch with the Tottenham players and was appreciated by Mourinho. So yeah, these these moments were like documented really well. So what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I think those are, um, I guess, the defining moments of the season. I think the Olympiacos mm-hmm. game was the game where uh, Mourinho really announced himself to us as a coach. He had a, he, mm-hmm. it, I think it was his maybe even second game, third game. It, it was one of his first yeah. games. Uh, and then, yeah, um, it was a good comeback win and Mourinho showed his um, his yeah desire to win and his, um, you know, his, his decision-making prowess by taking off Eric Dyer after 30 minutes for Christian Eriksen, who did yeah. change the same game very positively. You've, you've touched on that already. And then, yeah, the Man City game, it wasn't necessarily a defining moment in the season in that it helped us move but, up the yeah, table. Yeah, it was highlighted very well. Yeah, it was a fantastic win. I think one of our only wins against the, um, you know, against big. the big teams. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, I think that's an important game to document well um, in uh, in such a poor season. Yeah, uh, good to have a debut goal in that game, and you know, Ndombele had a good game as well when he came off the bench. It was a that was one of the best days to be a Tottenham fan uh, in that season. Yeah, <laughs> quite quite good that. Um, so after that, obviously. This documentary was probably the first, one of the first documentaries which actually uh, showed and released at the time 
after the impact of the covid uh, coronavirus uh, across the world and to be fair i think the way they documented uh, the impact of the virus and the actual scenes inside tottenham's training uh, training complex was actually very very good because um, i mean like they 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 showed it quite naturally you know uh, like yeah when when you guys played leipzig and then you guys came back and you guys were probably expecting to play west ham or no not west ham you guys were probably going to play as a west ham i don't remember exactly but uh, you guys were waiting for that game to happen you you went for training and suddenly uh, there's this news that there's going to be national lockdown football is going to be suspended and um, you know uh, it's going to be people at homes and uh, Danny Levy then held a financial meeting to see how he can uh, settle up the finances of the uh, st- staff who won't be able to work and come uh, during the coronavirus lockdown time and it was also brilliantly like documented i mean it, it was it is quite it was very disheartening to see uh, how like some of the people got uh, affected by this virus but i think uh, you 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 guys even gave your stadium for the nhs to uh, treat uh, covid patients and you know uh, to, to help the healthcare and health services so i think that yeah. that was a very that's a, that was a very good thing so what did you think about the way this documentary showed the first real impact and uh, the se- behind the scenes uh, stuff about the covid outbreak and uh, the the impact that it had you know the video uh, where marinho took the video call trainings of the players and all of that what did you think about yeah. it yeah yeah i think they did it very well they um they showed the important talking points about the covid uh yeah about the pandemic they were talking about whether the season should be scrapped they were talking about uh, yeah, where yeah. the stay given the ec- economic uh, impact to covid would have and well rightly so um i think Levy in a press conference has reported um that um whereas in 2019 they pro- they had uh, 80 million pounds profit approximately they now have oh. a losses of around 60 million pounds uh, in 2020 oh. so it's it, yeah it was a big factor this economic like economically um so yeah i think they did portray well and they also, i also like the scenes where they uh showed like the home workouts and how the players were trying to stay stay fit and yeah uh, keep together keep you know call with each other so that they could come back and uh play and end the season strongly yeah um i think it was quite brilliantly sure and obviously after that the restart was very very uh, you know significant because it was a restart uh, where you had to play games behind the closed doors and Danny Levy was certainly against the idea of playing games behind the closed doors because uh, one that would in his theory it would obviously mean a loss of revenue because of lack of fans in the stadium uh yeah. and you would you would obviously have to pay up this uh, wages for the staff and all the people who help in arranging the football match and all of that and on the other hand uh, the home advantage is completely lost because uh, the fans obviously uh, provide a sense of atmosphere uh, a lot of other managers have also mentioned about that uh, and even Danny Levy was quite uh, in agree 
quite much in agreement with that uh, that the fans create an atmosphere and that's just lost with the covid uh, because of covid so yeah uh, how how did you know obviously you said earlier that injuries and all all of that uh, issues got sorted due to the covid break but what like what else did you think was the difference that you saw in uh, Tottenham play after they came back uh, after the covid break well yeah i think uh yeah especially injuries you saw people uh coming back and yeah we we looked like a more functional team after the break but yeah also um yeah also they were behind closed doors which was uh tough i think especially the home games we'd had less of an edge and we um but yeah i think it was especially just better from a football perspective after the break uh harry kane was back from injury and he um and you could already see that he was back, close to back to full fitness he had a couple of really good performances against uh against leicester for instance where he scored a brace uh, a couple of really good goals uh yeah. he scored against newcastle as well and it, you could kind of see that he was returning to full fitness and he's shown up this season as well that he's back and he's better than ever and yeah uh so yeah the football was better there were a couple of poor results still that i think um that i think have been characteristic of tottenham over the past few years even under pochettino where they just yeah. mentally collapse in some games against sheffield united for instance uh, when we lost 3-1 yeah. a very deserved loss as well it was a uh, yeah, yeah was, and obviously there was there was this game against West Ham where this meme got viral where he said up 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 and then he was like yeah and he was like uh, if you don't win this game then forget about top four it's gone and all that yeah yeah well yeah we didn't get top four but yeah that um, yeah I think Mourinho's slowly starting to um, work the mentality into place that just moaning about a result isn't enough. And especially, yeah, that's one of his big issues with Dele Ali, being that Dele Ali's very vocal about what's going wrong and why it's the same every time. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's about it's an attitude thing that Dele Ali also has to fix. He has to, um, you know, he has to accept that, you know, it can be tough, but yeah. he has to also try and make the change himself. So yeah, in that regard, I think Mourinho's um, worked his. Um, yeah, work his mentality into the team also during the COVID break, uh, pushing the yeah. squad forward. Yeah, that that was that was quite important in my opinion, and yeah, I think uh, so. The documentary as a whole was absolutely entertaining, and it covered every aspect of it. And the thing that I loved the most about the documentary, I, I think uh, it was the perfect uh, ending line made by Jose Mourinho to end the documentary was when he said uh, that. You know, uh, this season was a very crazy season and one of the toughest seasons of I, I've ever had in my managerial career. And I never expected that I will be celebrating finishing sixth in the league. And I was laughing yeah. and clapping and I was just really, really uh, enjoying that moment when he said that in the documentary. And obviously, the last episode was very good. Uh, you guys, at least like you, you guys got European football and uh, there was this nice farewell to Jan Watongin with a lunch with all the staff members and Daniel Levy gave a very good speech and uh, there was all of that. So yeah, the documentary quite ended really, really well. So what do you have, to summarize the documentary, what do you would want to say about it? 
Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I never imagined that I'd be able to have such a good look at uh, what happens at Tottenham behind the scenes. But yeah, I think the uh, yeah it was a fitting end to the, a documentary, and I'll say it's probably unfortunate that this documentary fell in this is 1920 where it was so affected by the coronavirus and where um and, and where it was really kind of a, a disappointing season i think it would have been potentially more interesting to have watched the season 1819 um where we got to the champions league final or maybe even this season if we keep up our good form i think it'd be it's it's a really interesting season to look behind the scenes but um as as a struggling um, as a struggling team, it was really interesting to see how Mourinho um, took this team and uh, got the best out of it that he possibly could. So yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and uh, like obviously, I want to see season two. I'm sure you would want to see it because uh, season yeah. one obviously had a lot of things, but season two already uh, with the six-one win against Manchester United, with all the transfers that are coming in and. Looking at what Mourinho is building, it's looking like a team that he has built, and it's a, it's looking like a team that he wanted. Like he got pretty much got all the positions that he wanted to. The Gareth Bale return, uh, obviously, Europa League looks like a very realistic chance for you, uh, considering how Mourinho is a serial winner and he does really well in the second season. So yeah, would you want to see season two for this? I'd, I would like to see season two. I'm, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure it's been announced that it might not be happening. I'm not sure though. So uh, mm. that that would be a uh, that would be a shame. But no. I think this season yeah. looks like a good season. I mean, it would be a great contrast if we could have one season of Mourinho coming in and struggling, <laughs> and then the <laughs> second season him lifting us to the top, winning everything in sight, which obviously is is going to happen this season, right? No. Um, yeah. But. Uh, It'd be good to to act, uh, uh, yeah, to have a show of us actually winning something. But uh, yeah, but yeah, so I would yeah. definitely like to see season two if possible. Yeah, and you know, I even I wrote an email that I want the season two of that, and I even got the reply as I told earlier. But yeah, I don't know if it's in the making or not. But I think uh, I mean, like with the city documentary, you just had one season, and uh, yeah. The Leeds, the Leeds documentary, I wasn't expecting season two to come, but it did come and it was just of two episodes long, but it did come. So, like, I, I, I don't know if it's in the making or not, but season two, uh, like you said, it's going to show the contrast of how Mourinho struggled in his first season and in second season, he just turned you into um, an amazing team and instilled more of his philosophy uh, in, a, in one season's time. So... Yeah, I think season two should definitely be happening, like common sense thing. But uh, I don't know if yeah. it's going to happen or not. But yeah, everyone would love season two. With, with season one was so entertaining, and I think season two would be uh, great as well. So yeah, so that's it for me uh, and Oliver in this podcast. I uh, hope did you enjoyed the podcast, Oliver. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. I uh, hope uh, I hope I hope it's been interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry. Go on. Well, yeah. No. It was interesting uh, to recap the documentary. Yeah. We we were actually planning this from a very like we had planned this like 
before a very long time like just just when the last set of episodes of this documentary released we planned it at that time but i unfortunately had to take a break of podcasting and all of that but uh, but anyway we did this and it was absolutely fantastic i absolutely covered every single point i wanted to cover and so did you it was just a delight to listen to you talking about spurs and all and this documentary was so great so yeah i hope you enjoyed it as well so make sure you guys check this out on spotify anchor google podcast apple podcast radio public overcast pocket cast and many more and uh, fyi uh, i have begun my sports centric podcast which is known as the d sport global podcast and the first two podcasts that i've done are on uh, cricket uh, the indian premier league uh, we did the review of the 2020 indian premier league season and we did it in two parts so make sure you check that out on uh, spotify anchor breaker radio public and castbox it's out on them uh, so make sure you check that out and make sure you check out all about united in football and around the world the series that i resumed and i am still keeping alive after so long so yeah i came back to netherlands amsterdam i love amsterdam you know uh, I'm, i i forgot it to um, mention last time uh, i i love the amsterdam music festival a lot uh, i hope i can go there somewhere and i also love netherlands for the fact that uh, your country has got some really good djs uh, you know hardwell martin garrix uh, ts to yeah. armin van armin van buren Dr. Funk and a lot of DJs and you have also got Max Verstappen, famous Formula One driver, um, my favorite in Formula One. So yeah, yeah, I just love Netherlands. I would want to come to Amsterdam sometime and meet you maybe sometime. So that would be great. So would yeah, you recommend would that trip? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Netherlands is a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Amsterdam, great place to be. So hope we can meet that. So yeah, so that's it from us from this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, just listen to them on all platforms. Check out Discord Global, and yeah, see you again in the next podcast then.